Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat Podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat Podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Sarah Wegman, and I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Stephanie Davis, to the Her Next Play Power Chat Podcast. Stephanie is the Assistant Athletics Director of Event Management at the University of Minnesota. She earned her BA in Anthropology from the University of Florida and then continued her education, earning her MS in Sports Administration from the Georgia State University. Stephanie has over 15 years of diverse experience in intercollegiate athletics, spanning equipment management, compliance, and event facilities and operations. Stephanie, thank you for being on the podcast today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So you've had a really exciting career in college athletics, and it looks like it all started when you were in Florida. But I'd love to just ask you a couple of questions because you've had so many different roles at so many different colleges and such a diverse set of experiences. Is there one experience that stands out or one particular job that stands out that was really influential in terms of your development or helping you figure out where you wanted to go within college athletics? Sure. Um, I will definitely say, and you know, when I think about it, my advisor, Dr. Bryson, <laughs> would probably agree. I, I was very strategic um, in, you know, trying to to lay out a few things that I was doing, and especially when I got to um, grad school after uh, interning a little bit as an equipment manager, and then coming at University of Houston, and then coming to uh, Georgia Tech, I was able to get experience in equipment management, which was the job, but then, you know, Georgia Tech was really open to me checking out compliance. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to understand the governing body of college athletics. Um, And then, you know, kind of really digging into events and facilities. Um, And so I was fortunate enough at Georgia State to also take classes that linked up with that. So um, I wouldn't say there was one particular thing, but, just being able to say, I see how all of those things play out in what I currently do. That was great. Right. It seems like uh, a lot of times when you're having an experience, if it doesn't fit exactly with your career path, you know, young people get worried, but in the end, all those different experiences help, you know, how the bigger picture fits together and, or help you understand, you know, what, what, pieces of that or what parts of that field you might be really interested in longer term. So today, all of that led you to your job as Assistant Athletics Director of Event Management at the University of Minnesota. Can you tell us what it is like to work in the U of M Athletics Department and what is, a, what is your role and what's a typical day like? Although I know there's nothing typical about today these days. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Um, so working at the U, um, it's probably in a full-time capacity been the largest um, institution that I've, I've worked at. Um, and it's it's really cool. There, there are a lot of different programs, a lot of different um, departments. And um, the, the goal is as a united front, you know, how can we best support our student athletes? So that's, that's one of the, the things that I, I keep telling people. United are we is our mantra. And it's because we're here to support the student athletes. So um, I have a, a team um, of three full-time, me and two assistant directors, and then uh, we have two interns that rotate annually. And it's really about planning for whatever the upcoming event or championships or whatnot will be. Uh, usually 
just from my own personal preference, I try to structure my meetings and stuff like midday. So, you know, in the morning, I'm able to look at look at my schedule, look at some of the uh, checklists for whatever events we have coming up to see what needs to be buttoned up, fine tuned or whatnot. Um, and then, you know, just kind of plugging away. We don't do anything by ourselves as much as you try to think that you're a one man show, you're really not. Um, there's somebody else involved in the process. So it's really good to to kind of stay connected with our colleagues and, and build that out. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's really not um, consistently the same. I would say the, the only thing that is the same is the fact that, you know, you may be meeting with, with other people and just kind of plugging away, trying to get to the next step, trying to get to the next step. Um, and then, you know, when you finally get to that event and to see all of the little things that are behind the scenes that you knew and you were working on to, to make, come come to fruition that's that's just an awesome experience so right so what is the event that you think of that you planned or your team worked on at the university of minnesota that was the most fun or you're most proud of or went off the best you know i will say um most recently was the football game against penn state and um because of the amazing success of the team and also the departments that came together to make this work. I mean, we're talking, we had folks like our campus partners within the university and then also city partners. Um, it's, it's a huge production for a football game, but um, with the energy that kept building up from, from game after game after game, we started talking about a crowd rush protocol. So what people don't realize is those conversations were happening weeks before the actual game. And um, to see that, I mean, we, we had what felt like 25,000 people on the field. Um, and <laughs> you can always Google it if you don't believe me, but <laughs> to see that come together and then, you know, for us to be able to pivot and say, initially we were gonna have people go up the stairs, but when we realized that we had a lot more people getting on the field than we thought, we pivoted and found another way of making it work. And there were people um, up in the command booth and people on the ground with me and we just made it happen and um, at the end you know unfortunately there were um, some people that got hurt on the jump down but um, for the most part we got a lot of messages of you know hey thanks this is a great experience I never thought I would see this blah 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 you know and and that that moment um, and then seeing my interns and my student assistants talk about this is crazy I can't believe it and we have our debrief you know it, it brings all of that together like all those conversations all the planning the walkthroughs and stuff it all came to this moment and we yes the team did really well that game but but it was a success um, when you talk about everybody that came together it, it went very smoothly Right. I mean, it's amazing and all the things you just watch a game like that on TV and you have no idea all the planning and all the details and all the little things that are being managed behind the scenes, it sounds like, by your team uh, to make things a success. So for those student athletes, I think so many of them want to stay in sports in some way or another. And for those that are interested in a career in college athletics, what skills are important for a career in college athletics? And then for you in particular, what has helped you succeed in this field? Sure. Um, so I'll start off with me because I think it leads to what would be successful for them. So I think the biggest thing that was a success for me was having a broad foundation. While I worked in, in um, athletics, I didn't actually compete 
um, from a team perspective. And so I think when you talk about student athletes, um, they're naturally involved in team activities. They rely on each other for points, you know, for that encouragement, practice, lifting, um, getting, making the grades. I mean, it's, it's all in there. And so understanding the value that other people bring to um, what you're doing and how other people can help you move the needle and get to that goal, that is, that's key. It doesn't stop once you finish, you know, schooling. So I would say hold on to that skill set because um, my job, I work with a lot of people, but I tell folks I'm not the expert, but I know who is. <laughs> so I can connect you to that person and just, you know, making sure that those people, you know, feel like they're valued um, and, and we appreciate everything that they do because, I mean, that's the only way something like the football game that I told you about could have could have gone as successfully as it did because of the many players that were involved in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that teamwork is something that a lot of athletes don't even realize they have built such a strong teamwork skill until you get into the workplace. And sometimes you see, oh, you know, some of my peers aren't, aren't used to working so easily in a team. Um, so great to know that that's really important in this field too. The pandemic we were just talking about, you know, has impacted sports in so many ways with conferences canceling and delaying seasons and colleges cutting athletic teams and facing huge budget challenges. How do you see college athletics changing and adapting to this new world? I frankly think there will probably be a greater um, emphasis on media deals um, because that right now for many is kind of like a saving grace. Uh, so I, I could see there being a greater emphasis on how can we reach out to more people even though you know we can't get them into the venue because granted we may be at a place where um, we'll fortunately be able to open back up but you know personal concerns um, you know our fans will probably still have those and and that's completely understandable so how can we reach them where they are I think that's that's going to be a, a big focus um, and you know the, the biggest thing I think in terms of student athlete welfare is how can we get in front of this? Unfortunately, it seems like, you know, we're, we're catching up. Um, but, you know, at first we were so far behind. I mean, it, we just didn't know what we didn't know. So how can we get in front of this to better best position our student athletes with a good experience, but a safe environment? Right, right. Now it'll be really interesting to just see how, how this all plays out. It's so hard with so many unknowns and and just the novel situation that we're in. So I want to re rewind back to the old normal um, and talk about, it looked like you were part of the 2019 Minneapolis Final Four local organizing committee. So what was your role on that? And what was that experience like? Such an amazing event to come here to the Twin Cities. Sure. So yeah, my role was um, the executive chair of the volunteer committee and also second for the game operations um, committee. And I, so here's the thing, that was the second Final Four that I had worked. The first when I was at Georgia Tech and I was really excited to be a part of it because, it, because I did a lot more on the game op side, but you know, I joke around and say back then my role was um, a product placement engineer, which basically meant when they had a commercial, I moved the cooler right behind the bench so that <laughs> they could get on TV. Someone's got to um, do that. <laughs> exactly. You know, I did whatever I could to get close to the court 
So um, that was that was my role. And um, so this time it was nice to be in a, a, a role with increasing or, you know, increased responsibilities. And what I really liked, um, I had the, the privilege of working with Sheila Herr and Aaliyah, and um, they were with the, the LOC. And I, I got to see I got to see the, the work that goes into all the other events. So it wasn't just what happens in the venue, which, you know, after a while, it's, it's really just three games, right? It's three amazing games, but it's three games. And be able to, to do all of that, branch out. I mean, we're looking at things that, that happen in other parts of the city. And then also we had a, um, a graduate program and uh, they led the street teams and so we got to work with them and and they got to take over this this component that recruited students and had them placed throughout the city and, and try to engage with our fans so it was really cool to be a part of that and also like I said in an increasing role I was just like ah Fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I think it's really interesting having had the Super Bowl come to the Twin Cities and then the Final Four. I, I had no visibility or did not realize how many other events and parties and, you know, development workshops and just so many different things going um, on along with that. So very cool to be a part of that. So I want to switch a little bit to kind of the current environment in terms of the economy and um, the job market. And so, I mean, my heart just goes out to a lot of these student athletes that are graduating. You know, many of them had their final seasons canceled and then internships potentially rescinded. And particularly for those that want to go into sports or some of the other industries that have been hit really hard, it's a really hard time to find, to find an entry level job because a lot of those kind of early career jobs are the last to recover, the first to get hit. And so I know that you finished your undergraduate degree in 2008 during the height of the Great Recession. Can you talk a little bit about how you were able to kind of navigate through that hard time and then just what advice do you have for these student athletes that kind of, you know, six months ago probably felt like they had a pretty smooth transition path and now that's just gotten so harder and I think especially in sports there's just so many opportunities are going away and and so many parts of sports whether that's pro teams or that's the you know college athletics um, even youth sports are all in a challenging situation and so how do you differentiate yourself how do you break in like do you need to think about getting experience somewhere else and then kind of transitioning back to sports would just love to hear about what your experience was and advice that you have for students and recent grads sure yeah so um it's it's crazy to think that that wasn't too long ago i mean really but um it it was a it was definitely a tough time and i would say you know back then i worked as many jobs as i could to make ends meet and then i volunteered <laughs> wherever i could to, to try to stay uh active and engaged in in athletics um and and I think that worked out really well. I'll admit I was extremely tired. <laughs> um, but but even at that point, that's kind of when I decided, you know, let me just go to grad school um, and hopefully things will kind of improve by the time I get out a little bit. Um, but but yeah, it, it's the, the difference though is, you know, we're dealing with a health crisis at this point. So I think even in the sense that, you know, we could return, there are still some serious limitations. You know, I, I just, what I would recommend is, 
um, the that recent graduates, one, give themselves some grace because this is nothing that they asked for. Um, that's that's the biggest one, but but also just try to stay connected. Um, and if there are opportunities to volunteer, I understand people want jobs and stuff like that, but you know, work work where you can, where the opportunities are available. But then just try to, you know, stay relevant, stay connected. Um, there are plenty of networking opportunities with some of these organizations, which I think is really cool. And, and they try to, you know, keep people connected. And then at some point, that's kind of when when things get better, hopefully very soon, um, you know, and they start hiring and everything, that'll hopefully open the door for some more opportunities. But um, yeah, definitely do not give up, <laughs> um, you know, and just, just keep your head up and, and uh, give yourself a little grace. So I wanted to turn and talk a little bit about um, kind of, well, the lack of diversity in the collegiate sports environment. So here in the Twin Cities, a recent Star Tribune article came out about the lack of diversity in college sports. They included the fact that of the 30 Minnesota colleges and universities that compete in NCAA sports, McAllister is the only school with more than one black head coach. And only two Minnesota schools have black athletic directors, and they're both men. What do you say to black women who want a career in sports but don't see role models that look like them? And what can we do to increase the opportunities from, for women of color in sports? Sure. Well, first off, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Donnie. Um, he is the AD at McAllister, good friend of mine. Um, but yeah, I, um, yes, I, you hear it and you see it. And uh, I think we're, we're chipping away at it. I'll admit every time I, I see that, you know, there are more opportunities um, that are presented to people of color and women of color, I definitely have a little party. Um, but I think there's definitely work to do. Um, one of the things I think is, is really important um, is for people to realize it, it takes a village um, and closed mouths don't get fed. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, communicating, putting it out there. What are the things that you're interested in? Um, and then again, like I say, say, stay connected. Um, some of the, some of the insights and some of the opportunities that I've, I've been fortunate to experience have, um, come when I least expected it, honestly. Uh, but it was because people were fortunately thinking of me and, and I greatly appreciate that. Um, you know, we can do anything that we wanna do, really. So it's just a matter of taking those, those moments, staying, staying connected. Um, I tend to, when I think I'm ready for the next step, I look at a, um, job description of the position that I want. And then I just look and see, you know, what are some things that, that I have and um, that I bring to the table and what are some things that, that might interest me? Uh, maybe, for example, sport administration. So talking to some of my, uh, the, the admin and sport leadership and say, hey, uh, I'm interested in this. How can we provide those opportunities? Uh, hey, I may not be the only one, but um, I, I think, I think there are definitely ways that we can continue to um, chip away at that glass ceiling. But it's again, you know, having a village, reach out, <laughs> tell people that you're interested in these things. People want to help, people want to connect. Um, I think more than ever, we're starting to have those conversations like, hey, look around, um, you know, there, 
there are some talented individuals out there. Why are we not engaging them? Why aren't we bringing them in as a part of the team? And so making sure you communicate that and, and really try to build your village. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just feels like there's so there is so much opportunity to get better. <laughs> and we need to, especially just when we think about how many student athletes of color there are and making sure that they have pathways and opportunities and folks they can look up to and relate to um, across the board. So related to that, you know, mentors and advocates are so critical for advancement, um, having people that will, you know, that are in the room where it happens that have the ability to um, bring your name up and, um, you know, help open up some of those doors. It's so important. So did you have mentors and advocates in your career? that really helped you as you thought about your advancement and career path? I did. Um, I did. I definitely, and, and yeah, I definitely had like sponsors and, and people who gave me those little nuggets that I needed when I didn't know that I needed it. Um, you never, I think sometimes people feel that a mentor is a very formal thing. It's like, hi, my name is Stephanie. Will you be my mentor? Sometimes that's not what it is. It's, it is very, it's like people say organic <laughs> it it comes naturally from those conversations and and you know when people can share some insight and, and frankly i think it's a two-way street um because not only can you get a lot out of those opportunities but you can definitely um provide to those those situations as well but um to answer your question yes i've actually i've had some amazing mentors um and to see how I've grown uh, through their support and um, and, and and them advocating for me, it's it's amazing. So um, that's why as I as I do continue on and I try to make myself available um, for mentoring opportunities, I usually tell whoever I'm working with, hey, my only thing is pay this forward because that's the only way this is going to continue. So we just have to keep you know um, building that network and providing opportunities for other people. Right, and so do you have, I, I love your comment about mentoring being more, because I think there's some great formal mentoring programs, but I think for most of us that don't have the opportunities to be in those, at least not throughout our whole career, um, those more organic and formal mentoring relationships are important, but they don't always happen without some effort from the, from the willingness from people like you that are willing to pay it forward and mentor, but also, you know, the, the, just the mentees taking action and trying to put some effort towards developing those. So do you have any advice on how to you know, develop some of those mentor relationships from a student athlete or from a recent graduate perspective, how to find people, how to, you know, not take too much of their time. I think some people are worried that, of course, you know, it's not like they need to ask, like, will you be my mentor? But how do you, how do, how can they go about trying to make sure that they do create a situation where they have some of those mentors um, in their life? Sure. I really think it starts off with just a simple conversation. Um, something, and, and I know it is nerve wracking. I was there where I was like, oh, I don't want to ask the question, but really it's that simple. Um, so what I would recommend actually, yeah, it's, so I had a, a pro, an intern program when I was at Miami and what, um, what I asked all the interns to do was to conduct an informational interview, if you will, come up with like three questions or so, and then email a person that has a job or is doing something that you find interesting. And then just say, hey, I would love to sit down and talk to you 30 minutes or so. And you'd be surprised at how 
eager people are to have those conversations. And, you know, when you get to see new talent and people that are hungry to get into the industry, it's, it's pretty exciting. It, it also reminds us, which I think is good from time to time, it reminds us of where we were. You know, we were eager beavers ready to get into the industry. Um, so, you know, that's why I think it's a mutually beneficial thing. But I would, I would say, come up with a few topics, um, hopefully a few questions, and just reach out to somebody and say, hey, can I get like 30 minutes of your time? I'd just love to talk to you a little bit. And um, hopefully, hopefully, the, you know, that relationship can bud from there. Right, right. We, and I think that's one of the things that we are always advising our young leaders is that it's great if you have that one coffee, but don't be afraid. Like you can have a second coffee, you know, follow up, check in, like give them updates because that's how you develop that longer term connection or mentoring relationship. But I think a lot of students, you know, kind of get stuck after that first, that first coffee in terms of how do I, how do I keep this going? But all right, so we are almost done. We have a rapid fire question portion of our podcast. So I'm just gonna ask some quick uh, questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Although I know we could talk, we could talk for, I always wish we had more time for these. So favorite female athlete? Serena Williams. Favorite Olympic sport? Hard, track and field. Last show you binge watched? The Feed, that's it. Last book you read? Um, Between uh, the World and Me by Tani Seacoats. I read that too. I love that book. Great book. All right. So to wrap things up at her next play, we're all about giving visibility to women leaders. Who is a woman leader who is inspiring you right now? Ooh, shout out to my girl, Rebecca Vanderwall. She um, works in, she works in security and um, has led efforts for major league baseball um, the NFL and, you know, has, uh, been a part of a security company that had a lot more teams, um, within her region. And, um, she is an amazing person. She is so kind and compassionate. Um, she knows what's what, and will let you know that, uh, you know, this is the direction you need to go in, but she's just an awesome person. I love it. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. Oh, thank you. This was fun. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our booster club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.